0: and I welcome you to the Four Prompts on Death podcast. The podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts of I am before I die, I want when I die, I want and after I die. I want. This week we sit down with Loben Cha. Loben is a 25-year-old daughter, entrepreneur, small business owner and chef. I met Loben at her wonderful restaurant Little Miss Korea in Allentown, Pennsylvania. During this conversation, we discuss her vagabond upbringing by missionary parents, how Koreans and Italians have more in common than you'd think, and how she navigates running a small business with her family. So, oh, let's, I'll just go into the show notes here. Uh, Lobin is a daughter, a sister, a life partner, a businesswoman, and a student. Before Loban dies, she wants to travel to all the places she wants to go, to have family, to have financial freedom, and to spend time with her family. When Lobin dies, she wants a really fun funeral. If she dies young, and after Lobin dies, she wants to give her give things to her grandchildren. In conclusion, Loban says, "If you have a vision and you have this recurring picture that you want to achieve, just go for it because it is all attainable." That's right. That's the that's the vibe I'm going for, Lobin. So uh, this was a really fun conversation. She, she was 25 when we interviewed. She's 26 now. She also, a whole bunch of stuff has happened. Uh, with this, we, we actually conducted this interview almost exactly a year from when I'm releasing it. Uh, this was, in, we conducted the interview back in February of 2020. Uh, so right before stuff with COVID got to the United States in terms of like lockdown and stuff like that. Her business is still up and running. I'm very glad to say that. I ordered from her, uh, very, I try to order from her folks uh, regularly because, um, you know, like support, supporting small businesses. And she also has delicious, amazing food here in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, at Little Miss Korea, at the fairgrounds, and other locations. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, for if you want to check it out. If you're in the area, you want some delicious, delicious uh, Korean food, go for it. And some other things that happened in the past year, she we talked in this interview about a partner that she has, a boyfriend, how she recently introduced him to her family. And in the subsequent year, she actually got a, a, a courthouse wedding uh, with her fellow uh, because, you know, with COVID, can't have the blowout wedding that you'd want. And also her fellow is a is in fellowship for vascular surgery, so not a whole lot of time or... <laughs> You know, freedom there. Also, she's running a bunch of businesses and keeping things running and moving and hustling. So she also doesn't have a whole lot of time. And I look forward to meeting him and also for the you know just a blowout party with them and their her folks because they're 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 wonderful people. Uh, her father and her mother I've met multiple times. They actually helped. They helped us vet some names for Junsu. Uh, they were like, "Do not name him that name. Do not you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff." They're 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 great people. And the reason why I po- picked uh, Lubin out because she she's just she she's got this like hustle vibe about her. There's um you know I I know a lot of people in medicine uh you know smart interesting intelligent humans and there's just this type of hustle that. They don't have because they don't, they're not running a business. They're not keeping things going. they you know, uh, if I, I me as a hospital worker, I work for the hospital. So there's a level of like, uh, you know, I'm just here doing my job, that kind of thing. And she's just got this really this wonderful fire about her. And I just wanted to sit down and talk with her, get to know her a little better. I've wanted to meet up with her since then and you know, have dinner with her and her fellow with June and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, life, COVID, all that kind of stuff. I really had really a great time listening to this interview. I had a lot of fun doing it. We spent a lot of time in the I am portion of the interview, and I think part of that is just the fact that she's she's just a hustler. She, you know, not, not, in a bad, not, not in a bad way. <laughs> she hustles, she works hard, and she's put her nose to the grindstone, and she is in this kind of, like I, I say at the very end of the interview, like and she's in this empire-building phase of things. And she hasn't had a lot of life experience in terms of, death, dying, and really thinking about that, those, those sorts of things which are, um, for her at this point in her life, very kind of like in the distance. So I look forward to the next interview we, we do with together to talk, to sit down, hear how things have gone, uh, the trials of this past year and whatever you know, comes up uh, and how, because I, I, you know, I, I think you'll hear a lot of depth in her. That just needs some room to wiggle and breathe. And that's why I think this, the, the subsequent interview and the time between interviews is the most important and interesting part is what happens in between these conversations. So um, I'm going to stop waxing philosophic. I hope that you are ready for a wonderful conversation with Loeb Shaw on death. It is February 21st, 2020. I'm sitting here in my Orfield, Pennsylvania home with Lobin Schott, and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Lobin, what are the four prompts?
1: It's I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, after I die, I want.
0: Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt of I am? Uh,
1: I am a daughter, a sister, uh, a life partner. I am a businesswoman. I... I'm a student.
0: Yeah. It's a good list. Okay. Now <laughs> well, let's break it apart. So uh, daughter, sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about daughter first because okay. it sounds like your parents are, you know, uh, you are, I think you interact with them more than most people would interact with their parents, like especially at the age of 25, like you are actively involved with them together, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my dad works for me um, at my first Restaurant. He basically runs the whole thing. I'm mean, like hardly ever there. And he quit his like daytime job last year to like come be with me full time. And Where it's was like, it? um, he was a driver. He was a driver for like a really long time. Um, and then he was also like living in New Jersey at the time, like working in New York. And mm-hmm. um, he gave up his Jersey life and came, <laughs> came to Pennsylvania to help me out. So yeah. And I, I'm so happy that this opportunity happened because prior to that, I only saw him like maybe once a month. And now I see him like four or five times a week and he's like my best friend. Mm-hmm. And when people see our interaction, especially us being Korean, mm-hmm. um, people think it's really, really, especially Koreans. think <laughs> it's really weird that I'm so close to him and mm-hmm. I'm, I am very affectionate mm-hmm. and like, you know, I'll, ugh, I will i i'll like tickle his ear or like i'm like always like telling him i love him and Mm. it's really odd especially for a korean dad to be
2: Mm.
1: yeah (laughs) receptive to that Mm -hmm. and i was getting um an order ready for this gentleman that was picking it up at the store and he came he was just waiting to be checked out and i was like saying a joke to my dad and i went like behind his ear and i was like like, and the gentleman was like, "I can't believe you're doing this. That's so disrespectful." And he's a Korean guy. He's like this old school. Like, has been here in lehaba He's a, he's a physician. Mm-hmm. He's been here forever. And he's like, "That is so disrespectful." And I was like, <laughs> "Why? Because your daughters don't touch you? Like what? Like?" So yeah, it's it's been such a blessing that my parents are close to me. And my mom, I've been very close to since I was like 13, 14. Just because I spent more time with her, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, my parents. Dude, was there ever,
0: um, was there ever a point in time where you kind of like distanced yourself from them, and then was there a process of coming back, or have you always had a very strong relationship?
1: I've... With them? I was very distant from both my parents for probably three years. I was in like college mm-hmm. and not be- just circumstantially because we never saw each other. I had a full-time job mm-hmm. elsewhere. I had to travel. I had to do whatever I did. Mm-hmm. So just um, under the circumstances, we were distant, but... Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it was more of like a a positional thing it wasn't like that you were like emotionally or not not like intentionally or like you were fighting that kind of thing
1: yeah, yeah, and as I got busier, um I think I did kind of pull myself away and mm-hmm. distance myself but I mean once you know the business happened and I needed their help and once they were like much more involved in my life and all that it just kind of um it's it's always been it's been strong ever since so mm-hmm yeah
0: and um what about sister uh,
1: my sister is we've we've we're close in a sense that we get each other
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we're not like best friends or like we hang out all the time it's not like that at all she's my roommate but i hardly see her okay. um,
0: <laughs> is that part of the whole moving out in four
1: four months yeah yeah she's she got a job in Northeast PA, so okay. she's moving out, and then um, my boyfriend's coming down here, so we're okay. we're gonna get a place together. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then, um, what about your relationship with your brother?
1: Uh, my brother and I have always been distant because he went to different schools. He's eight years older. Mm-hmm. He was always kind of like far away from me, like location wise but also I I think that we never had this like strong bond because he's just so much older and we see the the world completely differently. Mm-hmm. And um and now he works for me and I think he works for me like probably 25 hours a week, like part-time, but it's um it's getting there. It's very very slow. It's mm-hmm. a very slow process with him, I think. So.
0: Mm-hmm yeah because that's how the same distance my sister and I it's just it's a tough you're like never in this you were never in the same school at the same time yeah. like, it's just totally different like they were going through puberty and then I was like a little kid and mm-hmm. then I'm going through puberty and they're like An college, adult, you know mm-hmm. like it's like this whole it's a totally different total like it four years much more manageable than I think than like that like six to six to ten is just such a tough range
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: Um, Did you have a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood?
1: Very religious. Um, I grew up as a missionary's kid, and there's like an acronym for that. We call ourselves MKs. Oh. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) my parents traveled quite a bit, and I ended up in Pakistan. I was born in Pakistan, and then I grew up in Pakistan until the age of maybe like four or five. And then we went back and forth from Korea to Pakistan and then we, uh, we indefinitely left um, after 9-11. So that was like, and it was October sense. of 2001 and I think it was already planned that we were leaving and, but then it happened and we're like, we're really gone. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. Now, uh,
0: are, like what type of missionary were they? Like what, if, of what branch of what religion?
1: They're just Protestants. Mm-hmm. I don't think my dad really had any denomination. The way that he studies the Bible and um, understands religion, I think he has a very, like, Calvinistic view, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been to, like, Methodist churches, Lutheran, Presbyterian, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Church was always in my life until, like, it was consistently in my life until I was like 16
0: yeah mm-hmm. and then was it like then you kind of went off to school after that point yeah
1: like- I had more independence mm-hmm. right so in PA you get your license at 16 and a half mm-hmm. um and you're you're able to drive everywhere and I worked since I was like 12 and once I got a car I like really worked I had like at one point I had three jobs when I was like 16 and 17 and I was Um, just, I just wanted to be very, very independent, so. I stopped driving myself to church, and I drove myself to work, mm. so, <laughs> okay. yeah.
0: Wait, so so let's make it so you uh, left uh, Pakistan around like four or five, um, and then I remember you saying you came to America when you were like nine?
1: Yeah, so four or five I left, and then we went to Korea. We came back, and then we went back to Korea. Mm-hmm. And then from Korea, we came to America.
0: And was it like straight to PA, or like? It
1: was straight to um, Fort Lee, New Jersey, which is a very <laughs> densely, Korean populated area. Okay. And um thankfully I didn't have to take like ESL cuz my parents put us in like a private international school in Korea for a year so mm. we were like a little acclimated to the curriculum and mm. the language. And yeah, it was it was a really smooth transition. It wasn't. The only things that I can think of that were like so mind-blowing to me were things that I saw in movies mm. as a kid and like Living in a scene in a movie was uh, mind blowing, but like, like what? Uh like paper brown bags. Oh, grocery okay. store. I freaked out. I was like, Mom, are we really taking this grocery? <laughs> in the paper brown bags, like Home Alone, kid. You know, oh, so uh, yellow taxis. But that's kind of whatever. Mm. Um, just like like the house with the white picket fence. Like that actually exists small things like that mm. yeah okay
0: mm-hmm. um and then how like what is your relationship like with uh with religion or spirituality now
1: i'm very very spiritual um and i haven't really attended church and in in, in in a long time and that's just because in like the last two years like I've just worked every single Sunday. Yeah, totally. um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm very spiritual. I I feel like there's always like a being that's watching you. Mhm. Um but I guess it's like a little agnostic in a sense. Like I'm not like, oh, I'm totally Presbyterian Lutheran, I'm Christian. I am Christian, but um yeah, very, like, non-denominational.
0: Do you have uh, any, like, set of spiritual practices or, like, things that you do regularly? I know, like, not, not attending church, but, like, like uh it's prayer or maybe, um, like, a, like, part of what you were saying earlier before we started the interview about, like, ways to cal- like, you've kind of been able to calm yourself down. Like, what, mm-hmm. are there any practices that you
1: have? I, if I'm really, really in a place where I don't feel good about myself, I, I pray mm-hmm. and, um, sometimes I just kind of like meditate when I get up in the morning, I used to do that a lot more. Um, but I meditate, I breathe and I try to just think about nothing. And then a lot of things just turn up, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is healthy. I think it's healthy to understand the deep thoughts that you have. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. That's once in a while.
0: Do you see yourself going back to church?
1: I do. I've thought about it because if I ever have children, I definitely do want to go back to church to kind of have like this upbringing that I had because having this type of structure of the Bible and the set of rules, and of course it's like... It, it's a great moral compass, but at the end of the day, it's much more than that. And I think it's healthy for children to to form their own opinions about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I do want to go back one day. Just
0: one day. Not, not, it sounds like you're you're real busy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think the next thing on that list was a uh, businesswoman?
1: Yeah, I... Opened up my first restaurant in June of 2018. Mm-hmm.
0: And At then, the age of 23?
1: Yeah, I was 23. And um, it it opened in June. I started really thinking about it, like, years before that. But it really came into fruition when, like, end of April, um, I decided that I was, like, going to do something about my life. I was a year... After I graduated from college, you know, I have this, like, chemistry degree. I'm, like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I was just working at my regular job, like. Doing what? And I was a cocktail waitress mm-hmm. for a while, and then I worked for a catering company, okay. so.
0: So, you, what, 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 step back. Why did you get a chemistry degree?
1: Um... I was a bio major when I started because okay. I wanted to do the pre-med track. Of course. And I could have easily gotten into the nursing program at my school too. And I think I was going to change. And I was like, you know what? Let me see if I can like just go into like a PA school or whatever. Um, eventually, like first semester in, actually before I even got into like into college and like started my semester I got into this program that was a seven-year podiatry program Mm -hmm. so three years you do undergrad at um the place at I went to ESU and then you transfer over to Temple Podiatry just with like enough credits and Mm -hmm. then they just give you um uh your doctor of podiatric medicine degree like four years later Mm -hmm. so it was this kind of like seamless transition and only a few people apply for this program i was like the first one in four years to get accepted okay um and i don't know how many people applied before that but i was the first one in four years to get accepted and be part of the program Jeez. um my advisor had not known that they stopped doing this transition from the school because um, nobody had been accepted in so long. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for the past three years, they hadn't had a student do it. So then they cut it off. And then I was the first one to be cut off from that program. And I didn't know about it until my sophomore year. <clears throat> yeah. And I was devastated. I felt like my life was like in shambles. I was like, I couldn't believe this happened. Like, you know, I blamed the guy. And you know, it turns out he had like a really really bad course of events that didn't like, and that's why he didn't notice that this program was being um, canceled. So I got really mad at the bio department and I switched to chemistry. Out of spite? Yep, out of spite. <laughs> okay. Seriously. And I was like, I can't, I can't take this anymore. These, these plant classes are stupid. <laughs> and I have to draw these plants all the time. Like I, have, I it has nothing to do with me. So, um, out of spite, I switched and yeah, it was, um, it, it wasn't really super hard to switch because I already had like a lot of prerequisites for like mm. the science track. So,
0: yeah. But then like, uh, so I guess what, what one thing that I'm what, like, so you go into school, going into like with the whole medicine track, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like a very common like Im- mm-hmm. like immigrant like mm-hmm. for you know, like that whole mm-hmm. thing, uh, like fast track to that mm-hmm. like 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 stability. But uh, then this this podiatry thing kind of rug gets pulled out from under you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Go to chemistry, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of you do like graduate. Or are you like done with the idea of medicine for a little while? Um,
1: like? Yeah, I. So I graduate, I get a chemistry degree and a spanish degree because mm. I went overseas for 6 months and I had like um a bunch of practice in this little little town that no one speaks english in. <laughs> and I came back, I was like very excited to like see where my career kind of like tracks out. And I looked for a bunch of like chemical engineering jobs, like starting jobs. QC jobs, anything in my field, and I was like, so, I knew that I would be miserable just reading the description, (laughs) and I was like, there's gotta be something else, there Mm. really has to be, and ever since I was little, I've, I've had this kind of, like, entrepreneurial spirit to, to, like, come up with ideas, like, how do I make a buck, how do I do Mm. this, and, um, I just didn't know where it was heading yet, so, I graduate, and for a year, I'm just staying with my job that I had part-time. At, oh, okay, gotcha. At, um, during school, and I moved to the Lehigh Valley because it's closer to my job, and I realized that the Korean offerings here, I mean, I didn't expect much, but the Korean food offerings were just so, and in the nicest way, it was just so misleading to like what it could it could be. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to have any any place, a small Korean restaurant. I didn't care like what it was. I just wanted like bring decent food to people that deserve it and like bring this type of culture. Mm -hmm. And there was no place to get like real homemade kimchi. There was no place to get like good Korean food from from like a decent spot that like is honest
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so i had this idea i slept on it for a year because the first time i went to the farmer's market and asked for a uh, a spot it, it just didn't work out and then i slept on it for like a full year and then and that was like right around the time you moved here yep yeah. okay. right before i was graduating college okay and then i graduated college i'm already living here and then um, it just doesn't work out. It's, it just doesn't work out. And then a year later, I called the same person that owns the market, and she's like, There's a perfect opportunity for you. Why don't you give them a call? And um, I had saved enough money to finance all of it. So nothing was financed, it was just my bank account that financed it, which is great. And um, I just jumped right into it. Like, I never worked at back of house, I never mm-hmm. worked. Uh, I didn't know how to like buy things I didn't know how to <laughs> i yeah I didn't know how a lot of it worked mm-hmm. to be honest, but like I had my parents just guide me through everything so mm-hmm. I was really lucky for that well
0: and then the so then uh they they were missionaries for a while like how mm-hmm. like what skills did they bring to the like uh, you
1: know? well, my mom's an excellent cook okay like overall and okay. she she did cook a lot for like larger groups okay and she has a really good sense of food
2: Mm -hmm.
1: my dad um worked in like food distribution for a little bit so he kind of knew his ropes around how restaurants get to get the food Mm -hmm. um how it should be purchased like what you should do so he helped me through that and we and and i just had this weird kind of idea i just had a vitamix and i was like i'm just gonna make sauces and see like how it goes and i looked up a bunch of recipes like literally within like two days i made my menu i submitted it it got approved and then like two weeks after that we opened wow yeah so it was a very short preparation time but in hindsight it was um I mean I look at my menu now and I'm like, oh you didn't even have like PewDiePie on there, you know? <laughs> like, my mom had to like convince me, like pulling my hair, like you have to have PewDiePie. So um yeah, it's uh it, it was quite an experience and it was very like compact in within that month of May. So
0: uh I mean I imagine there were a lot of there are at least a few hiccups along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think about uh the things that I would do to like prep my food I never worked in a prep kitchen I never worked in a a commercial scale kitchen so you know I would be there like every single day um prepping like little things for the next day when I could have been prepping for a 40s uh of the volume
2: Mm
1: -hmm. things like that things that you learn along the way and now it's like um I'm like so confident that I can like pump out whatever volume (laughs) because I've just done it so much and it's, it's nice when you jump in yourself and you have to learn yourself. Like I didn't know how to hold a knife properly and, and cut, um, like fascia and, and fat off of a big 20 something pound, uh, piece of meat. Mm -hmm. And now I just do it in my sleep. It's like not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Um, you just have to learn. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And then you opened your second business recently
1: yeah, so it's um kind of the same concept, but more like a fast casual concept, something very approachable mm-hmm. um it's a, a it's a scene that you see in a lot of um, like markets. it's like you walk in and there's food laid out behind a glass and you kind of pick and choose what you want so um, my best seller there is like build your own bowl you can start with like noodles rice salad and then you pick um five vegetables and uh your meat and a sauce and uh it's been working out really well and Mm -hmm. i've just been uh really blessed that i've had this opportunity to join the market and and have the success that i've had so far so yeah, it's uh, we opened in September, so it's been five months. Oh wow, oh, yeah. okay.
0: And then, um, and then there's the whole aspect of uh, you are a, you're an entrepreneur. You start these things, and you're able to like uh, provide um, you know work for your some of your family members, and like like I imagine that's also interesting from a family dynamic standpoint. But it's yeah. also like you know you're doing something that's you're mm-hmm. able to like support all these people, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that I think of it is. Yes, I pay my family members. Yes, they do work for me. But at the end of the day, if something great happens, they're just putting sweat equity in. Mm-hmm. And if something great happens, I sell my company. They're definitely going to get a share of it. And they're, they're going to be rewarded for the work that they've, uh, they've put in. So um, it's just good all around. Like, of course, you want to take care of your family. And me coming from, you know, my, my parents, like, really, really... Worked hard to get here, and my mom took a year off from her own family to study for the NCLEX so she can get into a hospital in the United States. Mm-hmm. That was I can't imagine how hard that was for her. I was only seven at the time, and um, you know, just being away and sacrificing your time with your kids that mm-hmm. are young, but knowing that it's going to pay off and. Um, yeah it was it was a very smooth move only because my parents made sure that we had everything that we needed. We came to America with green cards in our hands. and it was hard for the the first few years. I never felt the hardship, but like in retrospect, now thinking about it, it's like, wow, they really they really hustled, and um you just want to give a little bit of that back.
0: Mm-hmm. so
1: i I think hopefully I'm providing that for them. so
0: yeah. Sounds like it, at least. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, because it's, uh, um, my parent like, I, I, you know, I was born here, so it's a little bit of a different perspective on but it's, like, my parents, like, my dad did the whole, like, grocery store, it failed, there was, like, a lot of, like, you know, just, like, the hustle, and now, mm-hmm. like, I'm in a position where I'm able to, like, give my parents, like, I have a like, grandkid for them to take care mm-hmm. of, and, you know, it's, like, it's very mm-hmm. really nice to be able to give them that, just because it is such an important part of their um, you know, perspective are they,
1: are they retired? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my What's
0: mom it? just retired uh, a few months ago. That's nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's you know it's a whole yeah. There's and I guess something that has always been interesting to me is something that I heard recently is like your parents are not and and this is different for you because you you spent time in Korea right and you might not remember you were very very young at the time but uh, like old enough to like have memories of it but like I always thought of my parents as Korea. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like, like, and it's like, no, my dad's weird, and my mom's weird, and her own. You know, like, yeah. they're, they're they're not a the, representation of that culture. Uh-huh. Um, and so, like, when you're talking about like the the um, the way that you interact with your dad and how that just like it throws people, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like you you are you're an individual within the group, and it's not mm-hmm. you're not the whole thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And um, I have you been
1: to Korea yet? I
0: have. Okay. I spent. Um, I went during college. Uh, for about like three weeks. Okay. Um, and I was like passed between English speaking uh, relatives. Okay. Yeah.
1: How was it? It was fun. I really. It was. What year was it when you went?
0: Um, I want to say two thousand nine. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's such a different place now, and it's really cool to see as a korean restaurant owner like what kind of influence koreans have so mm-hmm. you know parasite just won the oscar mm-hmm. and the first non-english film to ever win win best picture like bts is a huge deal i have like fangirls from 12 years old to 55 <laughs> years old that talk about bts um the food culture is you know um, american food has always been Kind of across the world, and people just have their adaptations of American food, and now here we have um, Korean food that's adapted from Korea. Like uh, you know, a lot of restaurants have Korean fried chicken. They have their own version of pimpap They have um, so this whole cross cultural thing is really interesting, and um, how how woke people are about it is really cool to to witness. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, uh, when was the last time you were back?
1: 2017.
0: Okay. Yeah. And yeah, like what, uh, like, you know, with age and, you know, what, going back, what was it like?
1: I, the first time I went back, I went back for the first time in 10 years. And I just remember thinking, I was like, uh, this is such a cookie cutter society. There's certain societal norms that you should follow. And I felt like everybody was trying to do that. Like, you have blue socks, everybody else wears blue socks. And it's like, <laughs> it's not, and I don't want people to think that. It's like, oh, yeah, it's because it's it's a communist. No, it's not. We're like the, the definition of democracy. We are. But just how societal norms are so strict and set in place really shocked me. That was the first time that I went back. The second time I went back, um, I just had a lot of fun because I was, not a, a young teenager, I was like kind of an adult and um I just had a lot of fun. I went out, I found Korea to be like super fascinating and it's like so clean there and <laughs> like just the things that are more important to you as an adult like really just shine through. Like what? Um uh, just public transportation, how organized <laughs> it is. Right. Yeah. You, you know, like coming from New York and like getting shoved everywhere, like you're, no, you're in a single file line and you're going to go in, like real people. <laughs> um, public transportation was awesome. Uh, just the amount of data that's available and um, just how fast everything is mm-hmm. and how.
0: Like with the like 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 four G like yeah yeah, yeah yeah
1: that too um and how diversified it's been it's become mm-hmm. because you know I grew up in I spent some time in two different places in like central Korea and South Korea for a bit and just to see like all these different cultures all these different um like ethnicities around was cool mm-hmm. yeah like there's I never thought I would see so many kebab houses, like Turkish kebab <laughs> houses in Korea. But there was like a ton of them, and um, there's like a halal guys there that's like super popular. So yeah, it was it was really cool to see how it, it just developed into a multicultural epicenter for mm-hmm. for the world. It's cool.
0: And and uh, going back to your point about uh, being like a Korean business owner. Um, and just sort of seeing like the, like what, like, uh, cause you know, like, uh, like I went to the Edison, New Jersey, H Mart, and just like, there's just such a little pocket, it's really cute. And, uh, Mm -hmm. um, but, and also knowing that your, like, your menu at the fairgrounds is like this really lovely, like, there's a solid Korean food center of it but mm-hmm. also has a really like you're taking into account that we're in allentown pennsylvania mm-hmm. and like there, there's a lot of and, like a lot taking that influence and mm-hmm. like using it well and, and not just being like this is just cream like it's like a really lovely fusion of the mm-hmm.
1: two and that's me um mm-hmm. it's like me on a plate because i am scared of certain korean foods i'm not gonna lie you know <laughs> but i would never put that out into the world and say like this is korean food and this you need to eat this. My whole perspective about food is having the palate for it. If you know, there's like, for me, there's five true elements to Korean food. There's the hot, like the red pepper paste, mm. the gochugaru, the gochujang, right? Mm. There's a sesame oil because it, it, we call, we say gozoe, do you know what that means? Gozoe means like, um, there's like a nuttiness to it. There's like a nice flavor profile, but it's more like nutty. There's the, the sour which is like the kimchi the fermentation Mm -hmm. and there's the aromatics the ginger garlic and onion and then there's um like the more fermented stuff like the soy sauce the tuanjang which is like miso um anything that you ferment even gochujang is fermented um things like that like those five elements if you just bring those five and you somehow make it approachable for Americans. Mm-hmm. And not say, it's fermented this, it's that. <laughs> like, not make it loud and just say, just try it. Mm. I feel like just that introduction of the Korean palate is a win for me. I'm not trying to like reinvent the wheel by doing, like, uh, cheese cheesesteaks and spicy boy sandwiches. I just want you guys to try it in an approachable manner and say, oh, wow, this is... Uh this is doable. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. They I'm just trying to hit those notes. Um and that's like my biggest goal. And honestly, it's it's been the last year and a half has been really really eye-opening with with how people are with food. I I see that. Mean? Um just you know, I have I have people that are you're either so open to it or you're so unsure and you're in your own shell and it's like you're not gonna die but you just might that's like their their perspective on it so it's been eye-opening to kind of uh feel people out in that way Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: i remember uh, i went for lunch at your place a few weeks ago and i was just watching this lovely like older white lady try to eat galbi and just like uh-huh. just eating all around like but you know like uh-huh. just like just not and then your, i think it was your dad that came by and I was just like that's not how to do that yeah <laughs> he
1: probably
0: like tucked it and he's like see yep exactly that was exactly yeah. how. It was really cute um but yeah i think it's yeah food and i think uh you know, there are aspects of Korean food that can be pretty out there for people, but it is it is such a lovely food... We we do have a very lovely food culture. Like, we will make food out of anything, you know? Like.
1: Yeah, and that's, like... That's the whole spirit of Korea for me. It's, like, we had hardly any meat in our food history. So only in the last 50 years have mm-hmm. we had a lot, an abundance of meat. Um, but prior to that, it was... You go, you forage. Koreans are amazing foragers. Like, amazing. These Pennsylvania foragers have nothing on the Koreans. <laughs> you go to the mountain, you forage mushrooms, you forage whatever weeds and, and you know, um, in-ground stuff that you can find, and you make something so amazing out of it. And, like, the flavor profiles are out of this world. And, um, yeah. And it's... We're, we're, like, the true, like... Gatherers, mm. we're we're not particularly like hunters, but we're the true gatherers, and we make the most of of whatever there is. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, Korea is really really temperate, and in the winter there isn't a lot of stuff, so it's not just pickling. It's like the the art of fermentation is just so um, well done in the Korean cuisine. So yeah, it's uh, I I really highly appreciate it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, uh, I remember my aunts, because they, they my, my dad's family grew up very poor following the Korean War, and they did a lot of foraging, you know, and, like my aunts would like, they'll like kind of look and they'll be like, I'm going to be back, and they'll come back with like this bushel of thing because they're like, oh yeah, there's all this dandelion there, and we're just going <laughs> to take the greens, because no one else is taking it, you know, yeah. and they'll pickle the crap out of it, and we'll eat it for a couple days, it was great, and, yeah. you know, it's just like a very, it's just a, such a different way of approaching what is food and like, how do you, you know, it's just so interesting. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my mom, till this day, she'll go and she sees, I don't know what it's called. And, um, it might be Dan's, I don't know, but it's called soup. You make like duck with it and it's green and it has like a really, really earthy flavor. But my mom just like makes her own salad, um, ferments it with some soybean paste and does her own thing, but she will be driving and she'll stop and see, like, a field of it, mm. and then just be like, all right, I'll be right back. And she'll <laughs> just, like, stuff her, whatever, she, whatever purse that she has in this. Like, it's hilarious. That's great. So.
0: We see our ba- my baby just staring at us through the window. He's like, what's over there? Um, and then, now with this lovely little pivot, um, the next thing I think on that list is life partner, right? Mm-hmm. What's going on there?
1: Um, I, I have a... Great boyfriend that I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, and um, why I do just, you know that uh it's very intuitive it's very internal and how how long
0: have you been together
1: we've been together for a year and a half
0: okay how long <laughs> into that year and a half did you know uh,
1: Like the first three months yeah 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 and I knew like the the person that I bring home to meet my dad is gonna be this person, um, and that's the person that I'm gonna marry. So, how quickly did you bring him to your dad? Uh, five months after we met.
0: So So, yeah, yeah. you like when you got that, you like this.
1: We're like, this is it.
0: And my understanding is he is in medicine, right?
1: He is. Um, he just got a fellowship at St. Luke's to become a vascular surgeon. Okay. So. I'm really proud of him for that and you know the last five years he's been working his tail off being a general surgeon so
0: yes that is not um, a very fun residency' <laughs> is no, not a very so fun, I am uh, lifestyle
1: yeah it's hardly a lifestyle like I'm amazed when I understand why uh residents are like already married when they Get into residency because it's grueling. Like, really? how are you gonna find a partner?
0: So, then how did you find each other? <laughs> we we if, met, if met at a bar. Oh, really? And then two
1: weeks later, we met at the same bar and then we exchanged numbers. Oh, really? So, we met in real life.
0: You met in real life? Mm-hmm. Well done. That's mm-hmm. rare. Uh, but also, it sounds like it was very rare for both of you to have any free time because this was a year and a half ago, right? Would have been like right around when you. It, were... was,
1: it was about three months before I opened okay. up my business. I didn't know I was gonna open up my business. And, uh, yeah, he was still super busy. Um, and I was, I was busy as well. I was probably working like 60 hours, 70 hours, but who's counting?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, so, so you've just, you feel like this is a very good, and then I, I guess where, where is he right now?
1: Uh, right now he's in South, Southern Jersey. Okay. Um,
0: so it's more of a distance relationship for the it for is. This, these first it years, its It's
1: been it's been a lot of driving.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. And like FaceTime.
1: <laughs> yeah, a like FaceTime. Text
0: me. Okay. Yeah. And so this when you move out and in with in with him, is that correct? Mm-hmm. This will be like the first like this will be like the this is like the next
1: yeah. stage. Yeah. hmm
0: Okay. hmm You're excited? Kind of oh nervous. yeah, I'm really
1: I'm really. No, I'm not nervous because we've been on um three vacations now like week-long vacations we're just we're like hip to hip and it's been fine and um when I do get like a week or two off from the market I spend it with him mm-hmm. and we cohabitate just fine so okay. yeah mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then I guess, you know, you had mentioned it earlier that you, like, you know, in terms of a, a religious, like, kind of upbringing or at least background for uh, your children, like, have you thought about what that, like, next, these next phases are going to look like or, like, when, because, like, you know i don't know how much less busy you're gonna get right and mm-hmm. like how much you know i don't i think vascular is what like two years
2: mm-hmm.
0: um so like yeah it's just like you know there's a little there's a little bit of time where things are gonna be crazy right but like have you started to think about what that like timeline would be for you
1: no i haven't i haven't thought that through in a temporal manner at all i haven't <laughs> that's fair yeah <laughs>
0: okay um yeah, it's just, uh, okay, it's great. And, like, I guess, what, what does he, what what do you two, like, what what was the feeling within that first three months? Like, what did, when did you, like, how, Like, was it a moment that you knew? I think knew? for me,
1: it was the first three months. For him, it was, like, the next three months thereafter. Oh, yeah? But, um, for me, I just, I always knew there was, like, something very special, and I... very unlike myself, I, like, always wanted to give him space, and I'm not like that, I'm not overbearing, but (laughs) I, I want to, I want to make sure that the the person that I'm with is very attentive to me, Mm -hmm. um, just little things, and the distance is, the distance, you know, plays a factor in it, like, you know, just text me and call me, but, um, I always wanted to give him his space, because I was, like, always, like, I felt like I was walking on eggshells the first three months. I was like, I just... I don't want him to go away, so I'm just <laughs> D- going to give it don't mess it up, yeah. Exactly. And I never <laughs> felt like that. Because yes. um, I've always been really kind of like a confident dater. Mm-hmm. Like, if it doesn't work out, okay. It, and it was kind of like... I was kind of like shrugged it off. But with him, I knew I was like, I, this needs to work out somehow. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to be really careful. Um, so... Yeah, that different type of mindset that I carried was uh, an indication of mm-hmm. me having much more feelings than I ever thought for for this guy. So, mm-hmm.
0: and I guess something that I'm thinking about too is like from from knowing how uh, challenging and oftentimes traumatizing a residency program can be, and like the things you see, especially a gen surge. Like it's you know like having somebody who is not within that world and like you. You know that you, you don't talk i mean like it's not like he's in the restaurant you know like it's, mm-hmm. it's like having you're both intensely in your own fields yeah and you're able to like
1: it's great <laughs> it really is yeah. because when i go out with him and his like co-residents all they talk about is like their attendings and this patient and whatever uh cases were going on that day and what happened in the case and their attendings and it's, like, in, this, in the sweetest way pa- possible, if I could ever put this in a sweet way, it's, like, it's, like, a high school locker room, but with very, very technical medical terms. And all they're doing <laughs> is talking shit on each other. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets exhausting, and he, he could only last that for, like, a couple hours, and he's, like, I'm out of here. Like, mm. And that's why he, I think it contributes to a lot of him, like, just doing his own thing, like, whole usually on a weekend he won't go out with Mm. his co-residents and get drunk or whatever activities there are he'll just like do his own thing and go to the gym read a book he's very kind of he enjoys his solitude and Mm -hmm. um i think in the last five years he's had just about enough of the co-residents outside (laughs) of the Mm hospital. so
0: yeah yeah and uh oh is he what is he uh is he Well, white guy, is he Korean? Yeah,
1: he's, uh, his father's, um, first generation Italian, Mm -hmm. and his mother is, like, very white. Mm -hmm. So, um, he has an Italian last name, but his mom is very white. So, he's, like, really white to me. Just (laughs) (laughs) Just off the bat, he's white. But it's cool to have some type of culture embedded in um, whatever activities that we do with his extended family mm-hmm. because they're very um they're very tight knit and they're very Italian, mm-hmm. so I love that. Um,
0: so my sister is married to an Italian man like like, he, fully Italian? like her his dad is for it, it, his father immigrated to America, and his mom uh is like uh new, like long island uh italian yeah you know? yeah and so like he like, i don't know it's just very cute That it's like yeah the yeah. italians are they're very it's like uh, they're very similar in a weird way to korea
1: i think a lot of it is it's the food and the family
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you want to feed your children you know <laughs> like you you pick the you pick up the phone and they want to, uh, the first thing that your mom is going to ask you if you're a Korean or your dad is, have you eaten? <laughs> yeah. You know? It's, it's one of those things. And, uh, I think there's a lot of similarities in how, uh, the mate, like the, the mothers or like the matriarchs of the family, like feed their children. Mm-hmm. It's like very important. Like the nonna's always feed their, their grandsons and their sons and they want to keep them well fed. And I think that's kind of the same for, um, Koreans, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mhm. Um and I think the last thing on that list was student, is that right?
1: Yeah. So, I um I think I'm always evolving and learning, mm-hmm. so I try to learn like one new word a day, e- either in Spanish or in English or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I I'm always like watching YouTube on how to do things um related to my field like how to sharpen the knife properly with like a whetstone or um you know easier ways to clean your gas hood stuff like that Mm -hmm. just things that you need in life that skills that you need so I feel like I'm constantly learning so Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah and it sounds like there's a there's a process of of like the fact that you didn't do the same thing for the market that you had done for the fairgrounds Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're you're testing you're trying and you're mm-hmm. experimenting and mm-hmm. all these lovely fun
1: ways mm-hmm. and um it you you want to try it out you want to it's like all trial and error but um along the way you learn so much that um those key points that you learn is always going to be a, a beneficial thing to you at the end so mm-hmm.
0: yeah how do you finish so the next prompt is before i die i want
1: uh i want to travel to all the places that i want to go to
2: mm-hmm.
1: i want to have a family i want to have financial freedom i want to spend time with my family and that's all this all kind of like ties in with financial freedom because ultimately we're in like a very capitalistic world and yeah. um your, your freedom in America to me is like, it's really earned by dollars and, um, just the liberty to do whatever you want when you want, um, would be like the ultimate thing for me. But, um, yeah, just travel, family and more family. Uh, yeah, I think
2: those are the key points.
0: What is it about travel that you like so much?
1: It opens up your perspective. And that's a very cliche to say, but it's totally true. And as time goes on and you change your own view about the world, the world changes too. And just to kind of see the parallels of how you change and how the world changes, Mm -hmm. I think is interesting and I love to learn about new cultures. I mean, just how people live in different parts of the world and how um how their government is formed, how that affects them daily, stuff like that.
0: Are there any big big country, places or countries that are on your list that you're like, "Oh, this is like this would be really cool to see
1: Um, I would like to go. Basically, like everywhere in South America, I would, my first choice would be Chile, and then I would go to um, Argentina, Uruguay. I'll go to Brazil. Um, I've been to Peru, but I want to go back. Uh, <laughs> I would want to go to Bolivia, and I just if I go, I want to. I don't want to go for like the scenery and the tour stuff. Like I want to go and and be really immersed, and that's another thing that I want before I die. Like you know, hopefully when I have some time, I can maybe volunteer in a third world country or, um, do something good and give back. Cause that's always been really high on my list to do. Just do something great and give back. I went to Peru when I was 15, it, like changed my life. Just, um, how I thought about, and it was a religious mission that we went on, but that wasn't like the biggest takeaway that I had. It wasn't like, I love God more now because X, Y, and Z. It wasn't like that. It was, it it was like the measure of happiness was so different there. And I, I felt so awakened by it and so enlightened. I was just, um, it really impacted me from when I was like 14, 15 years old. So, Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess one, like, because it sounds like the time they spent in Pakistan was like you're almost too young to have that, like even just even or to like or in like I don't know what kind of environments you were in, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's but like that 15 to have that like real first international experience, mm-hmm. is like it's that's a good one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my mom bless her heart knew that we had to travel, so like from when I was um just about 14 15 years old we've been going to Europe and we went to Europe like every single year for 4 years mm. for like almost a month at a time oh wow yeah it was 3 4 weeks at a time and that really opened up my world and and uh i saw i saw things differently i tasted food differently i had a certain standard for certain things because i traveled mm-hmm. um Like, driving in Germany is, like, a very smooth ride all around, even though you're – it's smooth physically, and then, like, everybody else is, like, so cordial to you when you're driving. And that was really, really interesting to see. Um, Even on highways where there are no speed limits and, you know, there are these supercars, like, going past you at, like, 200 miles an hour, or, like, 180 an hour, they're they're still cordial. Like, everyone's, like, a really good driver. Um, And then in certain parts of Europe, there's, like, this just incredible bread and pastries, and it's just so easily available, and it's so affordable. And you can tell that it's really made from, like, a good place. And, uh, yeah, just food and, and culture and just your whole liveliness kind of changes, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to travel more. And uh I've been to quite a few like second, third world countries since then. And every time I go back, I'm like, wow, this I never complain about the conditions. I I don't care if I sleep on in a tent on a dirt road. I'm like totally fine with it. Um, but you kind of understand profoundly how good you have it. You have it so good. When people say, oh, first world problems, that's a real thing. It's first world problems. Um and I made this remark to in like a colloquial conversation the other day and I was like, that's just a first world problem. And didn't get it. I'm like, oh I I don't have gas at my house. There's no hot water. I'm like, okay. <laughs> first world problem. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I get the sense of, like, this, like you just want to, like, live and explore, and, like, that's just, you just want to spend a lot of time just poking around.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, making certain types of human connections that you wouldn't elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, I would want to go, like, all over South America. I want to go to, like, East, Eastern Europe, um... I've been to Serbia and Croatia, and I spend quite a time, like quite a bit of time in Serbia. But I want to go like way east, um, and then maybe see all the stands, like Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan, mm-hmm. and all the, the stuff that's like in between Asia and Europe. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I understand the whole bit about financial freedom mm-hmm. and just time with your family and just mm-hmm. wanting to start a family. Um,
1: and that all ties in together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You just want the time and resources to be able to enjoy what you got. Yeah. 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 Um, how do you finish that next prompt? For when I die, I want.
1: When I die, I want a really fun funeral. Uh. And if I die young, and maybe I'll I'll put this in like a like a will, but when I die young, I want. I don't I, I want I don't want to be in a funeral home and like have this somber atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I want like music, like bumping music. I want like nice uh, bright colors. Um, I want a celebration of life when I die. I don't want a funeral.
0: And so I I hear that and I, I wanna dig into that, but I also that, that is like by definition what happens after you die right mm-hmm. like that is not like the the, the mm-hmm. transition point mm-hmm. right and so um i guess what we'll, have you had a death that has affected you greatly
1: you know i the one closest to me and this it was my dog <laughs> mm-hmm. um prior to that i had a friend that passed away in his sleep and he was only 20 no he was
2: 21
1: I he even twenty one, twenty two, and that if that really it just came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, and that affected me. But me just being so close to my dog and losing him really suddenly, um, was very very sad.
0: How old were you?
1: I was. It was a month after I opened my business. So I was twenty three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 23. and I uh, I had to work that day, and my brother had to take him to the vet to like put him down and I wasn't there and I felt like so horrible Mm -hmm. and uh I like literally cried the entire time at work and um thankfully the customers that I served were super super like understanding and but it, it was sad it
2: was really sad
0: have you have you ever been in the presence of a transition from life to death
1: My grandmother passed in Korea when I was living in her house. And um, before the ambulance came, she was, like, throwing up blood. And it was one of these sceneries that, like, I'll never forget. Because that was the beginning of her death. A week later, she passed. And I saw... I was only seven at the time, so I didn't, like, fully understand. I didn't, like, grasp what really happened. But, um... I saw the the effect that it had on um, her children. And she had six children and my mom's oldest. So Mm. um, it really, really
2: affected me. And yeah, I think that's
1: like the only time I've ever been near it. Yeah, yeah. And there's been a few like car accidents um, that I've witnessed where like, I know for sure the person died. There's been two that happened, like, right in front of my eyes. Um, so, yeah.
0: Do you know, do you have, have you had any experiences or, um, like, do you even have an idea of what that transition would look or feel like?
1: No. I, um, I was mentioning this podcast to my girlfriend who owns another stand at the market, and she's had a lot of deaths in her life. And I was telling her like the prompts, and she was like, "Yeah, I just you know really close people to her, her father, her sister, like." And I was thinking to myself, I haven't had that. I haven't really experienced death um, so close to me, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that would feel like. So.
2: It's very abstract at this. Point.
1: It is. It is very abstract, and even when my my dog passed. Like I wasn't there for it, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't know what that feels like at all. That's fair. Yeah,
0: I think that's fair. And so I think at this point, like, uh, what, So the after you die, um, I think you're talking about that funeral. Um, like, have you ha- like? Is that because you want a funeral that is different from other services that you've been to?
1: Um, it's that's if I'm young, mm-hmm. but if I'm older, I think I just. Would leave it up to whoever's close to me i I wouldn't have like control over it i don't, I wouldn't care to be honest mm-hmm. um and I don't know what I would do for like my body i don't know if I would want to be buried or cremated or i i don't i wouldn't know what to do so I haven't thought that it's abstract yeah.
0: it's abstract yeah. figuring it out. um what about uh how far like what's the fur like when have you ever like thought about the far future? Like 10,000 years, 15, 20, like Yeah.
1: yeah? I I've thought about like 3,000 years from now and I'm like I don't think the earth would exist.
0: Yeah, like what do you mean? Like what what is that I think, What do you want for that future? Uh,
1: I I think it's going to be such a if the earth exists and technology uh is, is persists in that future. I don't Think humans would die? <laughs> I don't think. I think there would be immortality. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you would be able to choose if you want to live how many years. I, I think. Oh, I'm um twenty five now, but I'm, I want to live for another hundred, so I'm gonna make sure that happens. I feel like there would be that type of certainty. Or on the other hand, the Earth wouldn't exist at all, and there would just be another planet with beings like totally like landscaped over and it's like i don't even know what it would look like yeah okay that's fair
0: (laughs) um and i guess like is is like legacy important to you like um, what would you like for like a future generation or like have you have you thought about like what you would want to like give to that next generation
1: on the surface i think
2: like things maybe that
1: are like materialistic but um no i i haven't really thought that through like certain things that my mom has from my grandparents house like if i can give that to my grandchildren that would be like so so special like even like the little trinkets from Korea and like we have this um really cool like press to press onto like rice cakes and um there's like this washing board that my mom brought with her that you know is from like the early 1900s like certain things like that like literal things but um I don't think legacy is important to me I think at the end of the day it's not even gonna matter because we're all we're all just uh we're all in. We're all gonna die, and then there's only a few people that are gonna remember you. Mm-hmm. There's only a handful of people that are remembered forever for their works, mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm gonna be one of them. I really don't. I'm totally fine with it too. So that's fair. Yeah.
0: And you're you're still in the empire building phase, right? <laughs> you're still very early in that. So who knows? Uh, I think it'll be very interesting. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, those physical things are, can be very, it was just like your grand, your great-grandparents held this thing and mm-hmm. they used it, a lot. You know, that's, mm-hmm. it This can be very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am acutely aware you got to leave, Yeah. but unfortunately, <laughs> so um, but it, this has been a really nice conversation. Yeah, I've I a lot about you and I think that's just, oh, you know, you're cool. You're very cool. I knew you were cool. I knew you were very cool, but uh, this was a very cool uh, encounter to be able to like wrap it. Mm-hmm. Um and so, I want to give you the last few minutes or moments to talk directly to the audience um, okay. and say whatever you want to them, wh- whoever it is, whether it's your life partner or um, you know maybe it's like dozens of years in the future and it's like your future children um, and they're adults and they can kind of like comprehend what's going on, or maybe it's just somebody who um, has stuck by a Little Miss Korea and thinks like this food is dope, and I would like to know a little bit more about the person who made it.
1: All right. I, I guess this is just like a general message to the public then. Um, if you, if you have a vision and you have this recurring picture that you want to achieve, just go for it because it's all attainable. There is resources on this earth. There's There's resources that have never been available to us to obtain certain information and use it to our advantage. So definitely go for whatever you feel like in your heart is right for you and just work at it. There's nothing better than real work and real grit because you, you can imagine all you want, but if you don't physically do it, there's really nothing that's going to come out. So um, you know, to anybody that has like a far fetched dream or uh, something that you don't feel completely confident about, just go for it. Um, if you really believe in yourself and deep in your heart, you think this is totally doable and it's attainable and I'm going to figure it out. If you just have that mindset of figuring it out, go for it.
0: Yeah. I dig it. hmm mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you. This has been Love and Child on the.